Do you have these useful camera accessories in your camera bag? Let's find out. Welcome to Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is a place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Hi, and welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. This is your weekly photography lifestyle podcast where we learn how to be better photographers. I'm your host, Lynn, for morning, but of course, you can call me Lynn, and this is episode 55. Today, we're going to learn about some of the more useful accessories you can have in your camera bags. And I was thinking about this because I find myself explaining a lot of the accessories I use on our photo walks, whether that is on a photo tour or on a meetup, I'll take out an accessory and start to use it and they have people go, what is that and why do you need it? So today I'll go through all of the accessories that I think you might find useful. Now here's the good news. Most of them will cost you less than a hundred bucks and you can, you know, pick them up and not break the bank. Remember one of my takeaways back at Photo Plus, the, my, from the Photo Plus Expo 2015 is that it was really tough to find something useful for less than a hundred bucks. But in a lot of these cases, you will find that these are going to be useful for you. You're going to want to have them close by in your camera bag and you won't have to break the bank to get them. So we'll talk about some useful camera accessories you ought to have in your camera bag. Do you have these useful camera accessories in your bag? So by the time the question is actually posed, we're already ready for it and we're waiting. So you're at the camera counter and the salesperson has just rung us, uh, started to ring up that brand new camera DSLR or mirrorless that you have decided to buy. You've been researching, you've been thinking about it, and now the time has come for you to pull that trigger. And you're just giddy with excitement. And right before the salesperson begins to ring it up, she might stop and go, you have everything you need. You need anything else? Batteries, camera bag, accessories, some SD cards, anything like that. Now, you know this is coming because it's the equivalent of, would you like fries with that? That little seemingly innocuous question that McDonald's and the fast food people invented to get you to spend more money than you planned to spend when you came to eat. So anyway, here comes the question. You need any other accessories? And for a moment, you're not sure, you know, should I throw in and, you know, get something else or not? And the thing is, you're not, you're not really sure what's going to be useful for you or what's just a bunch of extra things you're throwing into the bag to help this guy raise his commission. 
So here we go. Here are some of the accessories that you might find useful. And remember, one of and before we get into them, one of the things we talked with, we learned when we talked with Henry Henry Posner from BNH Photo in an interview we did uh, several years ago during one of our webinars. He says he said the plot, the one of the mistakes a lot of photographers make is they they max out their budget on just the camera and have no money left over for some of the other accessories or things that you'll need. And so remember, he suggested that you spend a little less on the camera and make sure you have enough money left over to buy some of these accessories. So considering you buy into this, here are some of the accessories you need to have. And one is a sturdy tripod. Now, a tripod is one of the, the best tools you have and use if you want to ensure sharper images. You know, one of the more popular um, episodes we've done was, you know, how do I get a sharper image? And I guess a lot of people are still puzzling over how do we get tack sharp images. And one of the ways to do that is to use a tripod. Because one of the main reasons you have images that might be a little blurry, short of a lens that's just not in focus, is the fact that you're creating camera shake. And you avoid that by using a tripod. So even though we think about it just for night shoots, you can use it when you have plenty of light as a way to get the camera out of your hand and depress the shutter or have the shutter you know, trip the shutter without touching the camera. And that takes away one more element that could potentially create a blurry photo. So a sturdy tripod is one of the best tools to ensure a sharper image. And one of the things you want to remember when you're looking for tripods is that you want to get one that is sturdy enough for the camera and lens you're going to use. And one of the biggest mistakes I see, and the thing that really scares me, quite honestly, not literally scared, but, you know, I worry for you, is when I see someone who shows up at a night photography shoot with, you know, a big DSLR, a long lens, and uh, a tiny little tripod underneath it. And, and I just think... Boy, that's a disaster waiting to happen. You've got three, four thousand dollars worth of camera and you plop it onto a forty dollar tripod. And it seems to me that if I if you have an investment where you've spent four thousand dollars, it's worth spending one, two, you know, or maybe even three hundred bucks to make sure that every time you get that sturdy shot, you don't put your camera at risk. So this is why I didn't just say a tripod. I said a sturdy tripod. And usually when you buy a sturdy tripod, you'll buy the tripod separately from the tripod head. Now, you can get them both together. I like Manfrotto as a brand that I love and trust. But, you know, there's so many tripod makers out there. So, you know, you find the one that works for you. I have a couple episodes in our podcast where we talk about buying a tripod and things, questions you should ask before you think of one. So I'll link to those in the blog post and show notes. But you want to make sure that you have a sturdy tripod. 
Now, in addition to a sturdy tripod, you might have you might need something smaller, right? So a tripod is usually a big thing to lug around. And if you are traveling, sometimes it's not always practical to bring your big tripod. And so as a more mobile option, you might try a tabletop tripod. You might remember that in our travel photography interview uh, with Mike Randolph, he talked about one of the tripods he takes with him and how he uses it to get sturdy shots. So you you want to get a tabletop version or even a beanbag. And now the the value, I mean, the benefit for these is they can easily fit into your camera bag and you don't have to take anything extra to get the um to get the security or or the benefit of the tripod. And then there's also one called a gorilla pod, and this one has legs that can bend and wrap around things. So this one is good for travel as well, because if you're in a museum or a place where they don't allow tripods, you can just wrap the legs around a pole or something else and get and get a sturdy shot without having to, um, you know, take up space with a big tripod. So the point is you want a tripod of some kind, some way to get uh, to steady your shot, a sturdy tripod if it's a big one, and if you need to go mobile, a tabletop tripod, a beanbag, or a gorilla pod will all work. Okay? So that's the first. The second is complementary to the tripod, a cable release or a remote control. So remember we said the point of a tripod is you don't want to be touching the camera when you're taking the picture because that will actually potentially shake it and create camera the camera shake. And so a cable release is it's it allows you to depress the shutter without touching the camera and it's connected to the camera by a cable. Now you can find these, you know, fairly inexpensively, 20 30 bucks. And you can connect it, and the and the benefit of the cable release is it, it works more reliably than the remote control, which we'll talk about next. When my camera is connected to my cable release by a cable, every time I depress the shutter, I know something is going to happen. It's going to depress the shutter, and I can either snap it or I can hold it open for a bulb shot. I'm good. Now, a remote control lets you do this wirelessly, so you might want to be further away than a cable will allow. Sometimes we would use it if we're going to do a group shot, for instance, and the person who's taking the photograph also wants to be in the photograph. We've done this before in our meetups where we'd all, you know, uh, pose for the group shot. The photographer will sort of frame it up and then run into the group and then depress the shutter using the remote control. That's great. The problem is lots of times when you are behind it and you're trying to depress the, the shutter, if the remote control doesn't, you know, if if the signal doesn't go through, sometimes you can be pressing and pressing and pressing and nothing happens. And, and that can be frustrating. When it works, it's great. But I found that the cable release is more reliable, but you just have to be closer to the camera. So, that, you know, there are pros and cons give and take for both of those. But you'll want a cable release or a remote control. If you don't have any that have either of those and you're using a tripod, of course you want to use the self-timer, but then you have to, it can't be anything that you're photographing where you, like say, for instance, fireworks, where you want to be precise about when 
you depress the shutter. So because if you're doing a five second or two second delay for your self timer, now you've got to anticipate when the fireworks boom is going to go and then try and depress the shutter two seconds before that. So with the cable release, it's going to be boom. And then you hit the cable, your shutter on the cable release. And you know that the camera shutter is going to go off exactly when you need it. All right. So that's the cable release or the remote control. The third one is a white card. Now, a white card allows you to get custom white balance in any light. White balance, of course, measures the temperature of the light. And and under different light different light lighting types, the light will emit different temperature. And of course, your eyes will adjust and see it automatically, but the camera has to read the light, measure the light, determine the correct amount, and then make an adjustment for it. Now you have these half a dozen different presets you can use on, the, on most cameras for your white balance, you know, sunny, cloudy, shade, uh, tungsten, fluorescent, flash, those kinds of things. You've got that, but there's sometimes when you might have mixed light, like two or three different kinds of light, and the camera might not get it automatically the way it should. And so a white card is is great for those situations because you just put the white card in front of the camera, and with your with your camera, if you know how to do a custom white balance, I have a link um, to the white balance um, episode I did. But if you if you do a custom white balance, then you tell the camera based on white. Now you can calibrate everything else because it tells it this is what white looks like in this light, and now based on that, the camera can calibrate and make sure it gets the temperature correct, no matter what kind of light you're in. So that's a great tool to have, and it's especially useful if you are shooting in JPEG, because in JPEG, the camera burns in whatever white balance, uh, it bakes in whatever white balance you're set to. You have a little more latitude if you're shooting raw, but in JPEG especially, you wanna get that right in camera because it will save you a lot of time fixing it later. So a white card is something, it's funny, you can buy a white card from a camera store, and I've seen them selling white cards for as much as 30 bucks, which is, you know, okay, if you want to spend that, fine, and you'll get it, you know, a a nice little square card that you can put into your camera bag, and it will be durable. You know, when I was growing up and we were shooting video, my dad used to just pull out a, a sheet of paper from the printer and have me hold it in front of him and he'd do white balance from that. You know, free option. Yay. And and that's what we used for white balance. Now, sometimes they just give it away. When I was at Photo Plus Expo, I got a white balance gray gray card, black card from this camera store, and that was their giveaway at the show. These there's three cards that you can hang around your neck on a lanyard and keep with you while you're shooting, and that is you know didn't cost me anything. I thought that that was probably one of the more useful giveaways at the show. So you can you know again you can have smaller options like that and they won't have to break the bank but the point is you want something white so that your camera can read it. Now you'll also see people do the same thing with with an 18% gray card because that doesn't reflect color and so sometimes you can see people checking white balance with an 18% gray card which is usually used for to calibrate exposure and get the correct exposure but you can also use it for for setting custom white balance. 
So that's the white card. Now, another version of a white card in terms of functionality is the Expo Disk. And this is one of the things that I, I like to use. An Expo Disk is a round disk that looks like a filter. And you put it flush over the front of your lens and you hold it there and you'll you then do the custom white balance. And it's designed to give you a very accurate reading of of your white balance. Now, I like that option much better than using a white card. And the real reason, the primary reason is with the white card, if I'm holding it in front of me, let's say, and I'm wearing one of the red jackets I used to love to wear when I was doing my photo tours, the white card reflects that red from my jacket. And, and, and you know, so then is it really white? Well, it is, but it's reflecting. White will also reflect light. And what I like about the, the Expo Disc is when I put it over, flush over the front of my my lens, I sealed off any other um, extraneous colors or tints or anything else from getting in. And I know, I think you get a much more accurate reading. I About two or three years ago, I interviewed um, one of the people from Expo Disc, and he, dis- he, he described how this works. If I can dig that up, I'll also include that on your show note. Now, so the Expo Disc is another way of making sure you have an accurate reading of your white balance. Another great tool to have in your camera bag. The next tool, the next accessory rather, is an external flash. Now, at some point you're going to reach a scenario where there's not enough light there. And in order to get enough light, you'll have to boost the ISO so high that it, it will just, it will just be crappy. You'll get too much noise. Or there will be light, but the way the light falls, like for instance, you know, you've ever been in some of those hotel lobbies, like if you're in there shooting an event and they have these cones of light in, in the ceiling shining straight down. And so if someone is standing underneath it, they automatically get these, these, you know, shadows underneath their eyes that, you know, because the light's hard light too, they're very pronounced shadows. And with, when you take a photograph of that, even with the fast lens, it really doesn't look flattering. So, an external flash will allow you now to to light and, and evenly light your subject in in less than ideal conditions. An external flash flash is helpful because the pop of flash in your camera is just is probably the worst thing in the world. It's pro- it's probably worse than having no light at all. It's having that pop up flash because you know the things that make for good light are a large light source and a large light source away from the camera and a large light source away from the camera close to your subject. And you get none of that with the pop-up flash. It's just a tiny little light right on top of the camera and, you know, blasting, you know, straight across horizontally into the face of the person. And you'll get hard shadows behind them. And nothing in nature shines light that way. So it never looks natural. It's just the worst thing in the world. It's, it's just a, a step better than nothing. But, you know, if that's what you got, then you, you probably ought to try and diffuse it a little bit. But, but for better results, you're going to want 
wants an external flash because that will let you at least tilt the head and bounce the, fl- bounce the flash so it doesn't go directly onto your subject, which of course makes for a bigger light um, source coming back onto your subject. And you can take it off of the camera and move it somewhere else for even um, better lighting conditions. So an external flash is a great tool to have to not just help you in crappy light situations, but also help you create really dramatic light situations. Now, I didn't even put this on the list, but in addition to the external flash, you ought to get one of those flash brackets. You can probably get one for about 35 bucks. And that will allow you to place the flash not directly on top of the the camera in the hot shoe, but a, you know, a, just a a little above it or to the side of it, and it's still connected to your camera by this big bracket, and that of course will help you get rid of the annoying shadows and the harsh light. So you'll see event for professional event photographers using these big brackets. And that's why uh, wedding photographers, for instance, will use them because that helps them get better quality light from the external flash. Um, the next uh, thing you ought to consider is getting spare batteries and spare memory cards. Now, the camera will probably come with one, and depending on the kind of camera you need, you, you have, one will never be enough. If you're using a mirrorless camera, for instance, one battery rarely lasts for an entire shoot. you you got to have two or three of those things in in your pockets because when that there's nothing worse than standing somewhere with a camera in your hand, magic happening in front of you, and your battery is dead. No, no, it, it becomes a doorstop. There's no worse feeling in the world than that. And I had that happen to me once, and I went out and bought like three more camera batteries because there's nothing worse than I was, you know, taking, I was doing a photo shoot a long time ago, and my battery died, and I had to cobble together this workaround that was just awful, but I decided never, never again. I went out and I bought four more batteries. I think this was back when the D200 was just released from Nikon. And it was really tough to get batteries because I travel. I traveled a lot then. And I went to three different cities trying to find a battery for this D200. And I think I was in Dallas where I finally found one store on the other side of town who had two in stock. And I you know, jumped in the rental car and sped across town to make sure I could scoop them up before anyone else got them. Because I can't ever be out there with just one battery again because that was just um, the worst. So you want to have spare batteries, and of course you want memory cards as well. Now, the good news is these days you can get memory cards, um, and they're fairly inexpensive. As a matter of fact, if you're traveling, it becomes a good a good way of, of if you don't have the capability of downloading to your computer because you don't want to travel with the big laptop, then an easy workaround is just to buy more memory cards. And if you're buying SD cards, for instance, you can probably buy four or five of them and it will cover more than cover any, any week two week vacation that you might be taking. If you're saying taking a, you know, four or five 32 gigabyte cards, for instance, and, 
you know, for, for, for the cost, it is for the peace of mind. It's probably a, a good option. So get yourself some memory cards and make sure you have plenty of backups because again, there's nothing worse than shooting and seeing that little symbol on your LCD screen that says the card is full. All right, so the next one, the next uh, ex- the next accessory you ought to be thinking about are filters. And there were only two filters I I I think that are worth buying because the effects you get can't be recreated in post-production in software. And that's a circular polarizing filter and a neutral density filter. You ought to have both of those filters in your camera bag. A circular polarizing filter is sort of like a a bluish-looking filter, and what it's designed to do is cut reflection from glass and water. So if you are trying to shoot through, let's say, a windshield and get somebody in a car, for instance, or shoot through a a glass pane and, and capture people inside a restaurant, for instance... This is a great lens to have because when you turn the circular polarizing filter and while you're looking through the viewfinder, you can see the reflection just start to disappear. That's really cool. Nature photographers like it because it'll punch up the blue in the skies and water. Eh, you can do that in after in post-production. That's not as important, but the cutting of the reflection is something you won't be able to recreate. So it makes a circular polarizing Polarizer, a really good filter to have. And the other is neutral density. If you ever find yourself in a place where where you want to get a long shutter speed, but there's just too much light, and for instance, you're trying to get a waterfall and you're trying to get a long shutter speed so that you can get that sort of milky effect from the waterfall, you know, you probably need to, you know, run two, three, five seconds for the best effect. But if you're if you're there at any time other than, you know, early in the morning or, you know, dusk right before it gets dark, you can't do that without overexposing because um, it's just you won't be able to do it with, with today's lenses, with any lenses. So with a circular pole, uh, a neutral density, rather, filter will do is allow you to block some of the quantity of light. It's like sunshades for your lens. And it blocks the amount of light, and you can buy them at different levels, you know, different stop levels, which will, you know, control how much of the light it blocks. And you can get a variable ND, which will let you turn it to change the amount that it blocks. Now, with this, you can now go out to that location in the middle of the day and block enough light to get two, three, five second exposures. If you shoot video, you'll want to use this because you can't control the amount of light and exposure with your shutter speed in video. And so a circle when you're outdoors, so a a neutral density filter will be the way you will have to do that. So a neutral density filter will be fine. And with all filters, you choose the one for the largest lens you, the largest lens size you have. And then you can get step down rings for your smaller lenses. So you don't have to buy filters for each lens size you have. Um, another one is a battery pack slash vertical grip. Now this is going to be more than the $100. Uh, but 
for convenience, I think you can't beat this. Now, this is the 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 thing that you see a lot of photographers screwing onto the bottom of their DSLRs and or mirrorless mirrorless cameras, and it makes the camera look a lot bigger. But you see, when they turn to shoot a portrait um, orientation the shutter is still in the top right corner where it's most comfortable. You don't have to wrap your arm around the top of the camera to reach the shutter where it is in a portrait orientation. Now, I remember the first time I saw that, I thought to myself, what a waste of 200, 300 bucks just to, just so you don't have to put your hand over there. Boy, how lazy can you be? And then the first time I used when I thought to myself, Oh my God, where has this been all my life? Because you, it's one of those things you don't realize how convenient it is until you use it. And now you can take your portraits and it's much more comfortable and you can do it much faster. And then, of course, there's the added benefit of the battery, the extra battery that you can put in there because it is a battery pack holder. And so now you can shoot for longer periods of time without having to stop and change a battery because now you have two batteries rather than one in your camera and at your disposal. So a battery pack slash vertical grip is a great accessory to have. Next uh, is a loop. And an, a loop for your LCD screen is just—it's one of the—it's one of the coolest accessories, I think. And I—I I think just about every time I show it to someone when I, when we're out shooting, they end up going, "Wow, that is amazing!" And what it does is, you know, it, it works like a jeweler's loop, which is you know used to to magnify whatever you're looking at. But when you put it over the LCD screen, it blocks all the extraneous light from. Um, you know, you know, if you're outside and you're shooting and you're trying to see what you, what you took a picture of, sometimes it's hard to tell when you're out in the sunlight because the glare is just so bad that you can't tell what you really have. You can't tell what the exposure really looks like and you can't tell anything. And so you put this loop over the LCD screen and then when you look in, look into it, it's blocked all that extra light and also magnifies your your LCD screen just a little bit. And so now, no matter what kind of light you're in, you have a good idea of what you got in that last shot. It, it's just really great if you're out and you're shooting in a lot of light where you can't tell what, you know, from just looking at your LCD screen, what you've got, use that loop and it will block the light. And it's just a one of the, I think, one of the accessories that I just hate to be without. Now you can get them in, in now as LCD screens get bigger and bigger, you can get them in different sizes. And my favorite is I use the Hoodman brand loop and I, I'll have links to that one because I think that's just uh, perfect. Camera bag. Oh my God. You know, the, the title was in your bag, but we can't forget the bag. And I have an embarrassing number of camera bags because there's always one. There, I, I'm I'm on the quest to find the the perfect camera bag, and you know, in 20 years of running around with cameras, I've still not found it. So you know, I and so now I have them for different situations. Like the okay, I'm working. I want everything I can possibly need, and I need to you know everything in this big backpack that I take with me. Or I'm working and I, I'll, I'll need to do some editing while I'm there inside. So I need the big backpack that also has space for a laptop. Or 
I just want to go hang out for the day. And so I just need to be able to carry a camera and a lens and maybe an extra lens, right? So like, cause I like to walk around with my 50. And so maybe I'll have, uh, you know, a, a short zoom in the bag or maybe a longer telephoto, um, prime in the bag. So, you know, I have, you know, two options, even though I'm walking around. And then there's the, oh my God, I, I really need to have my iPad with me so I can take a look at these pictures on a bigger screen if I can't wait to get home. And so then yeah, there you go. You see how this, this creep happens. And so you need these different camera bags and then, oh my goodness, if I wear my backpack and I'm out shooting, it's so, I have to take it off to get into it. So I want to sling back so I can just sling it around and take the camera out easily. And then there's the, oh, I just want a messenger bag type so I can, you know, take more stuff, but still have access to it. And then there's the, oh, you see how this is going, right? Yeah. So, you know, there are so many different camera bag options and then, oh my goodness, you know, you want something sturdy. And I, oh, I just, by the way, I just lost a camera because the, the, the zipper failed on the camera bag. So I'm never using a camera bag that relies on just a zipper anymore because you know how that zipper sometimes on, on, you know, your clothing will start to, you know, open from the opposite side of where the zipper tab is. Yeah. Well, that happened to my camera bag uh, this month and it, it, un it opened while it, while I was still wearing it, open the camera, tumbled out, hit the floor, bam, you know, camera just exploded into a million pieces, not a million pieces, but it just, it looked like that. So anyway, never doing that again. So now cross that off of the list, but a camera bag is important because it helps protect your investment. Then I had this camera bag that had this, you know, this slash proof. It was like a messenger bag, but the, 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 the handle was slash proof so that if you were in countries where people were just like slashing and running off with your stuff, they couldn't cut it. So, you know, there's a bag for everything. So, right. So camera bags, that's the, the next accessory you might need. And then there is a comfortable camera strap. You want a comfortable camera strap. The strap that comes with the camera, I hate those. And if you listen to this podcast, that should be not, no surprise to you. You know, it, it, it has the camera hanging around your neck, tugging at the back of your neck. And if you're shooting for any length of time, that thing starts to feel, you know, annoying as it's, you know, sort of starts to yank at the, at the back of your neck. And if the camera has any weight to it, the camera's bouncing, you know, on your, you know, up and, and back and forth on against your stomach as you're walking. That's not convenient. It looks like a, like a tourist to me. And I hate that look. And then the other thing is it announces what kind of camera you're carrying. So would be thieves know you know, how much the investment is that's hanging around your neck and they know who to target. I hate those things. That One of the first, I don't even put them on my camera when I buy a new camera. I like uh, some of the after the third party manufacturers and one of my favorites, favorites is Black Rapid because Black Rapid has one of those slings that you, it goes over your left shoulder or your right shoulder and they have them for both. And you can, you know, get it, sing it over your shoulder, and then the camera will rest at your side. And then you can slide it up when you're ready to take a photograph and slide it back down when you're done. It's 
very cool, very convenient, and you don't feel the weight, and it keeps the camera out of the way until you're ready to shoot. It's a wonderful wonderful tool to have. And then they also made a wrist strap. And I love the wrist straps. If I'm ever like in walk around street photography, travel mode, the camera's always in my hand there. And for me, I find that to be comfortable until I put it back into the camera bag. So I love the wrist strap too. Um, but a, a comfortable camera strap. Now they're making camera straps that are you know, more fashion oriented. So back in the, uh, the shark tank episode, you know, I talked to Cecilia gallery and he made the alpaca camera strap. So if you want something that's more stylish, you can get them in different patterns and colors and styles and fabrics and leather and all these kinds of things. You see the hipsters will have the, the leather one that they'll, you know, that hangs their, their, um, old, old style button cameras around their necks. So it makes for the perfect fashion accessory. You know, the camera is a fashion accessory. Um, camera straps are good for that, but you want to get a comfortable camera strap because that will also be very useful for you when you're shooting. Um, a lens and sensor cleaning kit is another thing you'll need. You got to have that because the, you know, your, your camera lenses and your sensors will get dirty with use. And so you'll want to be able to pull a little cloth out and wipe them off. And it will come with a little, some lens solution that you can use to, to clean your lens. And you'll start from the outside and make circles going into the center as you clean it off. And then you have the little bulb where you can squeeze when you're cleaning your sensor and get a small puff of air to, to blow any potential dust off of the mirror and or sensor. And there's a little soft brush that you can use to sweep across it left and right. Um, you want to be careful anytime you start tinkering inside the camera. You don't want to use pressurized air because that's that's too much for your camera. So that little bulb that you just squeeze and gives a little gentle puff of air will be just um, more than fine. You got to have that in your camera bag because the worst thing in the world is to take pictures and then have the same little dust spot appear in the same place and all your images because that just creates work for you later on when you are in edit mode. And then the lens flipper. Now, this is just a cool accessory. I saw this at, at you know, a guy was demonstrating it at Photo Plus Expo and I was sold when I saw it. Well, I was sold and but still like, ah, will that really work? And then I saw one of our members, Carol uh, Horton Ward, using it at our New York excursion when we did one of our meetups. And then I that really just you know put me over the edge. Thanks, Carol. But what it does is it gives a lens mount on both sides of this. It's like a little at at attachment. If you want to see a picture and a video, I'll have both on a on this episode's show notes, but you will, you can connect a lens on either side of it. And what you will do then is have one lens on one side and you'll, the other lens you'll have on your camera. So let's say you're out shooting and you're just taking two lenses with you. It's, and you know how awkward and tough it can be to change lenses and feel like you're having to really juggle the two. Uh, and, 
how you do that safely without putting one of the lenses at risk, it, it can be tricky. And so this one is so cool because you'll take the lens off of your camera, you'll snap it onto one side of this flipper, and you'll take it off of the, the, the other lens that you have on the other side and put that on your camera. And you can do that in one smooth, fluid motion where the lenses are always uh, attached to something and are always safe. That's a really cool tool. I just got one uh, for my birthday. Yay! And um, can't wait to get out and use it. Right? So the lens flipper is one. And then finally, this doesn't really go, you know, this isn't really an accessory, but the Nifty 50 is one of those everybody ought to have one tools, I think. Every camera bag ought to have a Nifty 50 or some fast prime equivalent in your bag because it is the easiest way in low lighting or tricky lighting conditions to, one, be able to get a shot without a tripod if you aren't allowed to use tripods, or two, really, you know, knock out the background with shallow depth of field, which you might not always be able to do unless you have a professional zoom lens. And so, a Nifty 50 is light, it's inexpensive, and that's the other reason. You can usually, you know, for Canons, you can get one for around 100 bucks for your Canon DSLRs. Nikon's, you know, more expensive. You can buy the new ones, uh, the 518Gs for 200 bucks, or you can get one of the older D models for about 100 bucks, and it'll work just, just as fine. So anyway, you'll want to have one of those in your camera bags, and it's not an accessory, but it is a useful tool, and you really ought to consider it. That's why they call it the Nifty 50. All right? So those are the accessories that you want to have in your camera bag and why. You want that tripod, you want a cable release, you want a white card or expo disc, an external flash, a flash bracket, spare batteries and memory cards, a circular polarizing or neutral density filter and neutral density filter, battery pack vertical grip, uh, an LCD loop, camera bag, comfortable camera straps, lens and sensor cleaning clip, lens flipper, and, of course, your Nifty 50. All right? Did I miss anything? If you have an accessory you use that you just can't live without, let me know about that one if you think I forgot it. All right? So that's it for your accessories. Are you using these useful camera accessories? And I hope you are, and I hope that was helpful. Hi, this is Lynn. If your pictures aren't turning out the way you want, an easy solution might be just around the corner. Now, I taught thousands of photographers doing my popular photo tours around Washington, D.C., New Orleans, and New York City. And doing more than 600 workshops, I noticed there were 12 mistakes most photographers were making with their images. Now, if you want to know what they are and how you might measure up, you can check this Dirty Dozen list and see what's keeping you from taking your best pictures, creating your meaningful art, and making your ultimate impact. Go to 12photomistakes.com. There I have a free ebook and a free audiobook for those of us who prefer listening rather than reading. And you can download both and listen to them or read the 12 mistakes and see where you might be measuring up. 
That's 12photomistakes.com to see how you are doing and how you're measuring up against 12 of the most common mistakes photographers make. Go get it now. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me through another episode of the Shutterbug Life podcast. This is episode 55. If you decide to go search for it, just go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash podcast. Search for 055 and that should bring it right up. Now, if you like what we did here, you can subscribe and make sure you don't miss another episode. If you go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe, And that way you can enter your name and email. And every time there's an episode, I'll make sure I send it right to your doorstep and you don't have to ever worry about missing one. If you're on iTunes, you can subscribe there as well as Stitcher and most of the other places where you listen to podcasts. All right. Oh, coming up. What do we have coming up? I am... Save, save the date in New Orleans, which we're going to be doing next month, but I'm planning on going back in October. Uh, the weekend of October 7th through 10, we'll go back and we'll do a second uh, photo tour New Orleans weekend. So if you just couldn't make this one in April because the timing just didn't line up for you, you've got another opportunity. That's October 7th through 10. Save the date. I'll be announcing that formally sometime pretty soon. Remember I said I am scoping and I might be scoping um, on the weekend coming up when we are doing our meetups. Sometime during a meetup, I'm going to try and do a scope. Um, So those of you who can't make it might be able to at least look in and look in enviously on the fun we're having. (laughs) All right. That's it for now. Again, uh, we do this weekly. So Come on back next week and join another episode. And if you know another photographer who's a beginner to an enthusiast and wants to learn to be a better photographer, share the podcast with them if you don't mind and help them join our community. In between the podcasts, you can get more information in our Facebook group. Just go to fb.shutterbuglife.com. And if you're in Washington, D.C. or New York City, you can join a meetup group. Just um, check out Shutterbug Excursions, New York or D.C. You got links to all of them on the show notes page. All right. Thank you so much. You just have a great weekend and whatever you do, enjoy your Shutterbug life. Take care.